0: You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius podcast. How hey, many of you were here during our Christmas Eve services Sunday or Monday? Yeah, a lot of you. We had 35 individuals who received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior across all of our campuses. It was a phenomenal um, weekend of worship. So we celebrate that. But what we know is that what, we can't live in 2018, right? I mean, that year is behind us. We have a new year that's before us to prepare for. And what I'm confident of, matter this is a conviction I live with, and it's this, that not only is God good, but God has good plans for our lives. You, do you agree with that? That God is good, and he has good plans for our lives. Matter of fact, he declares that in a verse of Scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11. One of my favorite verses of Scripture says this. This is God speaking. He says, I, I know the plans I have for you. Make it personal for you. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Because we come into this new year, we come with excitement, we come with expectation. Why? Because God is good. Amen? And He has good plans for your life, for your family. But this is what I've also come to discover in my life and in my faith journey, is that if I'm going to experience God's good plan, for my life, for my family, then I have to position myself to receive that. In other words, I have to align myself to that of God's will and God's way to experience God's best. Let me tell you what dysfunctional Christianity is, because I think there's a lot of dysfunctional Christianity happening today. This is what dysfunctional Christianity is. It's thinking that you can go your own way and do your own thing and at the same time experience God's best. Let me say that again. Dysfunctional Christianity is thinking, I can do whatever I want to do, go my own way, do my own thing, and at the same time, believe that God's going to bring his great plan for my life. No, we experience God's great plan as we position ourselves, as we align ourselves to God's will and to God's way. So this morning, I want to talk with you about how do you, how do, you do that? How do you position yourself? How do you position your family? How do we position our church family um, to experience God's list? Because I think we would all want that. I mean, like everyone would say, hey, I want God's best for my life. There's no one here this morning that would just say, hey, I want to live a horrible life. Like, who would say that? Like, that would be ridiculous. That would be insane. No one would say that. Because what we all want to have a wonderful life. We all want to experience God's blessing. So, so how can we do that? You know, as we come to the new year, oftentimes uh, many individuals develop, uh, set goals, or have resolutions for the new year. Any of you have some New Year resolutions? Kind of thought that through? Yeah, a few of you. You, know, as you. As you look at the top ten list of New Year resolutions, always, kind of at the top of the list is, do can you, can you want to take a guess? Lose weight and get in shape, which I think is a great goal. It's a great resolution. I, I think some of you should. I'm not going to get in your private world this morning, but some of you should. It would be good for you. That's what our body is, a, is, the, is the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. We should steward well our physical temple. We should take care of our bodies. So that's a good goal. It's a good resolution. For some, kind of also right at the top of the list, like always, the second or the third on the list of the top ten is, you know, we're going to get out of this financial crisis. We're going to move from a place of financial crisis to a place of financial stability. And I think as well, that's a great resolution. That's a great goal. But what I also know is that you're not going to accidentally get there. It's going gonna, it's gonna to require some intentionality. But as we think about those two goals, losing weight, getting physically fit, again, which is good. Getting into financial stability is good. The problem with those two goals, though, is this. It only addresses stuff that's temporary. It only addresses, like, the here and now of life. It really doesn't, like, so much address eternity, or the eternal things. There's a verse of Scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, eight, where the Apostle Paul wrote these words. Listen as I read this. He says, train yourself to be godly. Train yourself. In other words, go to work. Work at it. Train yourself to be godly. He goes on to say, for physical training is of some value. In other words, he, he's not saying that physical training is bad. He says, no, some of you, you should go to the gym like it's good. He goes on to say, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life, for the now, and for the life to come, for eternity. So as followers of Jesus Christ, we should be training ourselves to be godly. We should consistently be embracing disciplines that help us become more like Christ and align ourselves to God's will and God's way. That's how we experience God's best. I mean, what I'm confident of, looking at your notes there this morning, what I'm confident of is that preparation precedes spiritual advancement, personal growth, and victorious living. Listen, very rarely, very rarely will, will anyone ever accidentally experience progress. I mean, accidentally experiencing growth is like accidentally getting into shape. I mean, think about how, Crazy that would be. Well, it just snuck up on you and surprised you. You woke up one morning and said, Whoa, look at my abs. (laughs) It doesn't accidentally happen. Let's say, for example, this morning, say, Hey, one of your goals is I'm going to lose 25 pounds in 2019 and I'm going to get physically fit. Again, I think that's good. Nothing wrong with that. But how many of you know? To get physically fit and to lose the 25 pounds, you're going to have to do something different than you've been doing. Like you can't keep sitting on the couch watching TV and eating ice cream and at the same time lose the weight you want to lose. Well, you've got to do something different. You have to get a plan. You have to get, here's the word, you have to get intentional. Get a plan. Work the plan. Or or back to the finances. Let's say you're in financial distress and you want to move from financial distress to financial stability. Again, I think that's a great thing, but this is what I know. It's not going to accidentally happen. You're not going to wake up one morning and say, wow, there's more money in my checking account than I could ever spend. not going to accidentally happen. It's only going to happen when you get intentional. There's some things you're going to have to stop doing. There's some things you're going to have to start doing to achieve financial stability. In, it, it's the same in our lives when we think about victorious living, when we think about spiritual advancement, when we think about personal growth. In growth, change, and progress requires intentionality. It only happens when we become intentional, set a plan, and work a plan that, that we're positioned for the change that we want. That's why this Wednesday evening, Pastor Jeff briefly mentioned this. Let me do my quick infomercial. This Wednesday evening at 7 o'clock, I'm going to do a a simple teaching on developing a growth plan. If you were to ask me, Pastor, what's the number one tool that's helped you the last 25 years grow in your life and leadership, I would tell you the number one tool has been my growth plan. Every year, at the beginning of every year, I develop a growth plan. I've already developed mine for 2019. I have a bit of a challenge. Here's my challenge. I have this little ADD thing going on, and I'm easily distracted. Here comes a bird flying by and it's like, woo, look at the bird. And I'm off. All... I need something to help me be focused in the areas that are significant in my life. Thinking about relationships, thinking about leadership, thinking about my spiritual growth. So for 25 years now, every year I've been developing a growth plan. Just a simple guideline that helps me stay, again, intentional on the things that really matter in my life. Not only do I have a growth plan, Every pastor I serve with has a growth plan. They have a growth plan because I tie it to their compensation. I don't pay. I don't pay them if they don't have a growth plan. I can't do that for you. I wish I could. That would be a bit of motivation. I think it's significant. Why? Because growth doesn't happen until we get in, until we get intentional. So I'm going to give a, a simple template Wednesday evening, seven o'clock. If you'd like to come, um, I'm just going to kind of walk you through the process that I think will be of great value to you as we come into this year. But as we're training ourselves to be godly, as we're preparing for a great year, I think a good way to kickstart the process is by engaging in a spiritual fast. So beginning Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, January the 8th, as a congregation, we're starting a 21-day corporate fast. So I want to talk with you this morning about the discipline of fasting. Now, if we're, if we're honest, we'd much rather talk about feasting than fasting, right? We'd much rather talk about um, you know, what we're going to have for lunch than what we might be skipping over for lunch in the coming days. But the spiritual discipline of fasting is a great means to open our lives and our church family to God's favor, God's blessing, to God's work. As a church family, we always want to be hungry for God. I think that's the position, that's the place we want to stay. We're hungry, we're desperate for God to to reveal himself in a greater way in our lives. And again, I believe that this discipline of, of fasting positions us for that. Now some of you... Maybe like totally new to the discipline of fasting, like this is a whole new concept for you this morning. So hopefully I'm going to give you some foundational information, or possibly, for some of you, you've been thinking, well, you know, that fasting thing is only for the pastors, the elders, and really spiritual people, and that's not me, so this is not for me or about me. And I would say, no, you're wrong. I would say the discipline of fasting, the spiritual discipline of fasting, is for anyone and everyone who wants to open their lives in a greater way to God's presence, God's work, God's favor, God's direction in their life. If you're here today and you say, you know, I really don't want any more of God, I've got plenty enough, then this sermon's probably not for you. Um, And I'm sorry, I'm going to waste your time this morning. Because this discipline of fasting, I believe, is really that. What does it do? It opens our lives. It brings us hungry before God for more of God. So looking there to your notes this morning, what is fasting? Fasting is a spiritual discipline in which we abstain from food for a spiritual purpose. Fasting is not an end in itself. It's a means by which we worship the Lord and submit ourselves in humility to Him. A great book that I would recommend... Concerning fastings called God's chosen fast, uh, Wallace is the author. The last man's name is, um, or the man's last name is Wallace. But I want to read just one statement out of his book. Listen as I read this. He says, "When exercised with a pure heart and right motive, fasting may provide us with a key to unlock doors where other keys have failed." A window opening up new horizons in the unseen world. A spiritual weapon of God's providing, mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. Wow. See, fasting is is a means of discipline in which we can open our lives, again, in a greater way to God and His work in us. Now, in case you're wondering, nowhere in the Bible are we commanded to fast. If you were to say this, morning, pastor, show me where God says I must fast, it's not there. However, this is what we discover. If you look to scripture, you discover that Jesus fasted. Let's start there. Before he began his public ministry, Jesus embraced the 40-day fast. I'll talk more about that in a minute. Not only did Jesus fast, Jesus assumed that we would fast. That his followers would fast. How do I know that? Matthew 6.16, Jesus said this, When you fast. Not if you fast, not if you're going to do this. He says, When you fast, this is how you should fast. Not only that, Jesus' disciples fasted. And Jesus talked with them about the process of the fast. Matthew chapter 9, verses 14 and 15, Jesus addressed the disciples about fasting. Not only that, as you look on into the book of Acts, what we know is that this discipline of fasting was embraced by the early church. It was a part of their worship. It was a part of their spiritual disciplines. So nowhere in Scripture are we commanded to fast. However, what you will discover is that there's a consistent pattern throughout the Old Testament and into the New Testament where individuals who wanted to see God work in a greater way in their lives or they needed God's intervention, what did they do? They fasted. It would be a... a fascinating study, I would encourage you to do this, is read every story in Scripture that's identified where individuals fasted. And you're going to be amazed at how God showed up and God showed off as people sought Him through fast as they humbled themselves, as they were hungry for God, and in that they fasted. Man, God showed up and did some phenomenal things. It would be interesting for you just to read each story from the Old Testament into the New Testament about fasting. But as we think about fasting, what we find is three different ty- or three types of fast um, in Scripture. So I want to give you those three types of fast just as a quick point of information. There's what we would call the total fast or absolute fast. That's where someone fasts um, uh, food and water for a defined period of time. An example of that would be Moses, Exodus 34. Uh, as he was receiving the Ten Commandments. The scripture says he was without food and water for 40 days. What a fast? He was engaged in a fast. Uh, Esther, the book of Esther, Esther chapter 4, verse 16. As there was this crisis of the plan to annihilate the Jews, what did Queen Esther do? She declared a fast. She called the nation of or the people of Israel, the Jews, to fast. And it was a total fast. For three days they were without food and water as they were seeking God's intervention. So we have a total fast. And then we have what I would call a normal fast where you abstain from food for a period of time. And I think there in your notes the reference is wrong. That should be Luke 4. So if you could scratch the Esther 4, put Luke 4 I think it's one through four. And, and the example here would be, would be Jesus. After he was baptized by John, he went into the wilderness where he fasted food for 40 days. And the scripture says at the end of the 40 days, he was hungry. So not food and water. It was just food. We call that a normal fast. And then there's what we call a partial fast or often called a Daniel's fast. And it's called Daniel after the prophet Daniel, because he's the example. In Daniel chapter ten, Daniel receives this vision from God. He doesn't have understanding or clarity about the vision, so he's seeking clarity. God, what does this vision mean? And what did he do? He declared a fast to gain discernment, to gain understanding, and it was a partial fast. As a matter of fact, let me read how the uh, let me read to you how uh, this is stated in Scripture in Daniel chapter ten. Verse 2 says, at that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no, cho- no choice foods, no meat or wine touched my lips. So there was no wine, no meat, no choice foods. So it would, it would appear that maybe Daniel continued to eat vegetables and fruit, but the desserts, the meat, the choice foods, the wine, he set that aside for 21 days that he might, what, humble himself before God to gain understanding, to gain clarity. And he did. If you were to read on in Daniel chapter 10, it happened. So we have these three types of fast, And, and I mention these so um, that. One, you would know that there's not like only one single way that you can fast. There's multiple ways that you can engage in the fast. As we're uh, coming into this 21 days of fasting, it's not my place to tell you how to fast. I think you need to determine that for yourself as to w- in what way will you embrace or engage the fast. If, if you've never fasted before, then possibly you would want to say, hey, I'm going to take a meal a day for 21 days and I'm going to abstain from food, and I'm going to take that time that I would be enjoying the meal, and I'm going to spend it in prayer and worship. That would be a way that you can engage, What is a partial, that would be a partial fast. Or maybe you would say, you know, I'm going to do the total fast. Or, however, again, there's multiple ways, and again, not my place to tell you how, how to fast, but I would encourage you to engage in the fast. The second point of information I would just want to quickly say about fasting is that fasting is not dieting. Nothing wrong with dieting. If you need to do a diet, then do it. But fasting is not dieting. As you're fasting, you may lose a few pounds. That's quite possible. Um, But that's not the purpose of the fast. The purpose of the fast is this. We're going after God. We're hungry for God. A third point of information I would just want to say quickly about fasting is that if if it costs you nothing, it means nothing to God. Now let me explain what I mean by that. The concept of fasting is I'm sacrificing my desires for a greater desire. I'm sacrificing what I want for something. I I don't know if you realize this, but you have a king in your life. Let me tell you what his name is. His name is King Stomach. (laughs) He rules your life and he runs your life. Three times a day you have a meal and then you need snacks in between. If you don't have that, you think you're going to die. And you miss a meal or two and your stomach lets you know, right? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Your stomach lets you know. The concept of of fasting is that I'm setting aside my desire. I'm, I'm denying myself in a greater pursuit. The pursuit of God in my life and for my life. So if it... Cost you nothing. If it means nothing to you, you know, if you say, Well, you know, I'm going to, bless God, I'm going to fast sugar cookies for 21 days. Well, really? That's a big sacrifice, isn't it? I'm being a bit facetious, but my point is there's, we're, we're embracing a sacrifice. We're denying ourselves through this discipline of fasting. Again, why? Because we're hungry for God. We want to open our lives in a greater way to God. So why are we engaging in a fast together? This why becomes really important because this is a difficult sale. From, from my position on the platform, I'm trying to convince you to partner with us in a 21-day period of somehow you setting some type of food aside. That's a tough sale. Listen, it would not be difficult for me this morning to convince you to go to 131 Maine with me if I'm covering the bill. I wouldn't have to twist your arm to do that. You would probably get there before me to get a table so I could show up and pay for your meal. That's an easy sell, right? But to try to sell you or to try to convince you of the value of the why, why would we do this? Why would we say, I'm going to set aside this for a period of time so that I can pursue God? Why? Why is that important? Why is it valuable for you, for your family, for our church family? Let me get to the heart of the message this morning quickly. Four reasons, four whys. The first is this. We desire a greater awareness of God's presence. That's why. That's why we're saying we're going to take the first part of this year, 21 days, to to humble ourselves before God. Well, we want a, a greater awareness of His presence. Listen, we certainly don't need more religion and we don't need more government presence in our lives. But what we do need is more of God's presence. Active working in our lives. And I believe that as we set our hearts to pursue God through a corporate time of, of focusing on God through fasting, we'll experience God's presence and God's power in a greater way. Why do I believe that? Because that's what I consistently find in Scripture, where individuals like yourself sought God through fasting. He showed up and did some pretty dynamic stuff, as people humbled themselves, as they were hungry for. God., anyway, Isaiah 58, the whole chapter of Isaiah 58. Is about fasting. So I encourage you to read the whole chapter um, sometime this week. But I want to pull two verses out of Isaiah 58 that speaks of what happens. What happens when someone like yourself says, hey, I'm going to seek God. I'm going to humble myself through this discipline of fasting. Listen as I read this. Isaiah says, then your light will break forth like the dawn. Your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. In other words, God's going to protect your backside. I mean, you know, that's good news. Then you'll call on the Lord, and He will answer. You will cry for help, and He will say, Here am I. Look, there's no way around it. When fasting is embraced with the right heart and with the right motive, God's presence and work becomes greater. Greater in our lives, greater for our church family. Here's a second why. We want want to prepare for new seasons of life. And with a new year we have a new season, right? That was a question. What two thousand eighteen is gone. 2019 is here, so it's kind of like a turning of the calendar, turning to a new year. So what we want to prepare, we want to get ourselves ready and positioned for this new year. And I believe fasting is a great way to prepare ourselves for a new season, a new assignment. Because Jesus here is an, an amazing example. As he's transitioning from the son of a carpenter into his role, before he began his Three years of public ministry, which culminated with his death on the cross. What did Jesus do to get ready for his assignment? Do you know? It was a fast. He was baptized by John the Baptist. The Holy Spirit descended upon him. Then the scripture says that he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he fasted and prayed while he was preparing for a new assignment. Interesting, the scripture says that he came out of the wilderness, get this, full of the Holy Spirit. How do we prepare for new seasons and new assignments? I believe a great way to set ourselves up for a great year is through this discipline of of prayer and fasting. Listen, I cannot predict the future. I can't tell you what's going to happen in your life in 2019. But I have lived enough life, and I do know enough about life, To tell you this, that in 2019, some of you are going to have awesome opportunities. God's going to bring some awesome opportunities your way. So why not get ready for those opportunities? For some, you're going to have some challenges and adversities, probably for most of us. Why? Because life happens that way. Why not get ready before the challenge, before the challenge happens? For some of you, you're going to be making critical decisions in this year. Decisions about your finances, decisions about your vocational career, Decisions about maybe a geographical move. You're going to be making some major decisions. Why not get ready before the, before the major decision, before the major decision comes? See, for me and my thinking, fasting, the beginning of the year, it's getting ourselves ready for what's going to happen before it happens. So that when it happens, I'm ready. I don't have to get myself ready. I'm ready, why? Because I positioned myself. So I think fasting is a, it's a great way to prepare us for the new seasons of life. What's before? Here's a third why. We want and need God's intervention. See, what I know is that life is too difficult, it's too complicated, it's too challenging for us to handle on our own. What do we need? Here, it's really simple. What do, you, what do we need? We need help. Would you agree with that? What, we need help, we need, we need God's help. Not to bust your bubble so early in the year, but you're not smart enough. Let's be honest. If there's any place we should be honest, it's in the church. You're not smart enough. Listen, you don't have all the answers. You're not wise enough. You're not strong enough. You, you, you You don't have what it takes on your own by yourself. What do you need? You need help. I need help. We need God's intervention in our lives. How do we position ourselves for God's intervention? I believe it's through this discipline. A fasting partnered with prayer. A great illustration of of this is in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Again, I encourage you to read the whole chapter. I want to quickly summarize it for you. What we have in 2 Chronicles 20 is a crisis happening. There's three nations that have joined their forces, they've allied their forces against the nation of Israel. And they're coming, they're coming in war against the nation of Israel. The king at this time, his name is Jehoshaphat. He hears the news of this army that's coming against him, and he realizes we're in trouble. I mean, like air forces can't match their... Their forces, our numbers can't match the vastness of their numbers. We're going to be defeated. We're going to be wiped out. And the scripture says, interesting, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 3, the scripture reads like this. Alarm, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. What did he do? Panic? We don't have the answer. We need help. We need God's intervention. What did he do? He called the nation to a fast. He called, get this, a corporate fast. And as they humbled themselves and sought God through fasting, guess what? God showed up and he intervened in their crisis. Long story short, but basically God says, hey, I got this. It's my battle. It's not yours. I'm going to take care of this. This is what I want you to do. I want you to send out the worship team on the front lines. Everybody was happy about that but the worship team. God says, "I want you to go out, worshiping. I want you to go out, declaring the greatness of your God." And as they went out worshiping, the Scripture says that God fought for them. What was a crisis was turned to great victory. God intervened in their situation when, when they sought Him through fasting. God brought help. That's why. That's why we humble ourselves. Really simple. We don't have what it takes and we need help. So we come humble and hungry before a God who's able. And we say, God, do your work in our lives, in our church family. Quickly, here's the fourth and final why. We want help in discerning God's will and discovering His direction. You know, folks, the bottom line is is there's a whole lot we don't know. Again, if you haven't figured this out yet, we're limited beings. God is unlimited. God is all-knowing. And we're folks who... Most of us already forgot what happened yesterday. We're living in today and we we don't have a clue about tomorrow. But we're, we're limited beings. But what do we need? We need God's direction. We need God's guidance. You know, in my personal life for my family and in my leadership role, I never process major decisions without declaring a fast. Again, it might be for for my family personally, but if I I need clarity of direction, if I need to discern God's will, if there's a situation that's before me and I don't know what to do, I always declare a fast if it's if it involves the church and we're going to make a decision as a church i call the leadership together and we fast why i believe one of the best ways to discover god's direction is through fasting listen there's a big difference between there's a, there's a, there's a big difference between good ways and god's ways and if we're not careful we can get We can find ourselves on the wrong road going in the wrong direction. Listen, I've been offered a lot of good opportunities, but there's a difference between a good opportunity and a God opportunity. And I don't just want the good opportunities for my life. I want to know what God has for me. For a congregation. A great way to discover God's will to discern His direction. It's too fast. What I discovered in my own life is is when I declare a fast to get clarity of direction, either either I become better at hearing or God speaking louder. I don't know which it is. It's one or the other. How God brings clarity. We see this illustrated in Acts 13. The scripture says that the believers in the church of Antioch were together and they were worshiping and fasting. And as they were worshiping and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Paul to the work that I have for them. And we had the first missionaries being sent out. The early church came to know God's direction, God's plan as they were fasting. So again, as we're coming into this year, I have no idea what 2019 has for you. I do believe that God is good and His plans for you are good. But what I know is there are going to be decisions you have to make in this year. You're going to need clarity and direction. Why not prepare yourself now? Because it's through this discipline of fasting that we can, again, better hear, better see God's will and to know God's direction. So what we discover... What we discover from the Bible as we look to the whole of Scripture is that there's numerous benefits, numerous benefits to fasting. That's why, that's why for you, for your family, for our church family, I, w- I would invite you to join us in this 21-day adventure beginning, again, Tuesday, January, because we have service tomorrow night, so we're, we're beginning on Tuesday to join us as we just humble ourselves before God, to say, God, what might you want to do? And what way might you want to show up and show off in 2019 in my life, in the life of our church family? And we we have available for you on our website, gracecovenant.org. You can go online and download this 21 days of prayer and fasting so that we're kind of going through this together. Uh, if you don't have the ability to download, we have hard copies. You can pick up hard copies. We have them both in English and Spanish on our website. Uh, so you can download. Again, so we're, we're journeying together over the 21 days. And as I said earlier, it's not my place to tell you how to fast. Maybe it's a normal fast. Maybe it's a partial fast. Maybe it's a meal a day. I, I, I don't know how God might prompt you to be a part of this. But I would encourage you, join us for 21 days. At the end of the fast, toward the end of the fast, on the 27th of January, we're going to have a night of worship as we kind of uh, celebrate together the goodness of God, what He's done in our lives, in our church family. We're going to come in expectation, celebrating that of, of God's goodness. But again, we want to open our lives in a great way. Listen, I don't know about you, but I don't want to just play church. I don't need any more religion. What I need is more of Jesus. And I believe that's what you need. Your life and your family. You need more of God at work in your life. So we humble ourselves and we come hungry before God. See, fasting, fasting is not so much what we do without. Fasting is what we open our lives to. 2019, we want to open our lives in a greater way to a God who loves us outrageously, who I believe wants to show up in your life, in your family, in our church family. So why not make way for that to happen as we would open our lives in a greater way what God would want to do. Amen. Would you pray with me, Lord? I thank you this morning that you're a God who wants to reveal yourself to us. I'm I'm so grateful that you're not just some creator way off in the heavens, like totally separated from us. But God, you desire to be a part of the Mondays and the Tuesdays and the Wednesdays of our lives. God, you desire on a daily basis, I believe, to show up and to show off, to break out in our lives and in our church family. God, I so believe that. So Lord, may we make way for it. May we position ourselves in such a way. God, I I just believe as we come humbly and as we come hungry before you, God, as you did throughout the Bible, you're going to bring your power, your presence, your provision. So we simply say do it. Do it in our lives. Do it in our church family. In this year, God, we invite that. And Lord, we just make this statement today. Not only are we going to position ourselves for it, but we're going to move an expectation in this year. Believing, God, that not only are you good, but your plans that you have for us are good. So Lord, we open our lives to it. We open our church family to it in this coming year. And I pray these things in Jesus' name.